0: If you're investing in something, obviously you care about the price, or you wouldn't be investing. It would just be called supporting projects. I love. I give money to NEO because I love NEO and I want him to succeed. That's not what's going on. Those (laughs) are ICOs, right? Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. You are listening to our frack, you are listening to our flagship Friday. That is Friday, November 16th. And I am here with my co-hosts Brent Philbin. Weep! Whoop whoop weep whoop. AKA Chubby Crypto. And of course, Michael Lockie, aka Michael Lockie. How are you doing today, Mike? <laughs>
1: I am fantastic. Uh, Brent is one year older today. He is <laughs> He he has uh, revolved around the sun one more time. Congratulations! Yep. All is. right.
0: So, spoiler alert. It is currently, if this is correct, uh, Brent, are our are, are calculations correct that you were born 365 times 34, 24 hour periods ago, starting right now?
2: You know, there's probably some variance in there, like give or take. There's leap <laughs> years and and things like of that nature. But for the most part, what you're saying is correct. So we're not going to call it bullshit.
0: So, Brent, if somebody was half your age when you were uh, 18. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even start Does that, with that mean that they're enough? like 16? <laughs> 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 All right, so that is one of the announcements we want to say very much. A happy birthday to Brent turning a year older. We'd love to hear maybe what you have planned or whatever. But more importantly, rather than take this announcement, you got an unexpected birthday gift And it wasn't from a family member. Brent, why don't you tell us about the birthday gift you decided to share with me?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I guess that's in reference to the Beyond Blocks conference. Oh,
0: no, no, no. It's in reference to to whatever JJ gave you this morning. Of course, it's in reference. Go. Okay, so
2: we are, Kareem and I are going to be going out to Thailand. We're going out for the Beyond Blocks conference in Thailand. And it was pretty awesome how this ended up coming to be. We're gonna—I'll tell you a little bit about what we're gonna do there and how it happened. Uh, basically, the 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 CEO of the conference, uh, Saber Aria, Saber. yeah, he reached out to me on LinkedIn. And he's like, "Hey, uh, fan of the show. I'm really sorry that you went to that shitty conference in Miami. <laughs> uh, I run a good conference. If you're ever interested in coming to a good conference." and which I immediately thought... Quick time
0: out. I immediately apologize for saying that all your whining never achieved anything. Like, (laughs) right off the bat,
1: (laughs) I've been corrected. (laughs) I have so many great stories inside this story, but keep going, Brent.
2: Yeah, so immediately I'm like, oh, great, this is just another one of the, like, random spammers. I start to look, and no, it turns out that this is an awesome conference It's being headlined by Charles Hoskinson, and we are now... Going out there, I'm super excited to get kind of an insight of what the the markets and what the – I guess the community looks like in Asia as far as it revolves around cryptocurrency. They have a, they have a few different conferences that happen in Asia, and we're going to this one. So we're going to be moderating a few different panels. Kareem is going to be doing one that's actually a fireside chat. So if you want to see the <laughs> third Kareem's fireside chat – He's going to be having a fireside chat with uh, Charles Hoskinson.
0: And, and Jeremy Wood, who is the uh, chief strategist officer at uh, IOHK. IOHK. Yeah, IOHK yeah, so it's IOHK not really, really going to be a... Uh, <laughs> they called it a fireside, which is really funny, but it's just going to be an opportunity to, to sit down with them and then, like you said about the panels, moderate some of the discussions. Frankly... Brent and I won't be doing a lot of the talking. What we're going to be doing is a lot of the listening and steering the conversation. But it's fascinating because if you look at this, I mean, this is a when Brent reached out to me and told me about this. Part of me thought he was trolling because he's always on troll mode. <laughs> so I was like, all right, so 30% chance that Brent's just bored and trying to have fun with me. 70% chance left to assign to to this probability. And then there's a part of me that's like, all right, let me check out this conference. And I started looking it up. Their speakers and their previous speakers. I mean, this is super legit. You also said this was the first conference that Da Faye spoke at, isn't that right, Brent from Neo? They uh, have uh, Charles yeah, I th- this I year. So. Th- they think also think have the, uh, the director spoke. of Ripple, I think. So it's crazy.
2: Yep. So expect some content from there. We're gonna be, we'll be live reporting in the field. Maybe do a little, do a little flagship from it and see what, see what we can bring to you. So it should be, it should be fun. It's super soon. It's on the 26th and 27th is when this conference is Mike,
0: place. you had some interesting angles.
1: Oh, man. I am very jealous. Um, I, I wish I could join you guys. It is just – it's such short notice. They, I mean it's 10 days away. Uh, <laughs> Even sooner actually. Like we ended up yeah. having to book eight days from now.
0: Apparently, when somebody's trying to raise a family, work a job, run a podcast, and do a bunch of other things on the side, it gets a little harder to make something happen out of nowhere, right, Mike? What's
1: so funny is that, like, I think there's like three of my time investments that you're not even aware of, just like other things that I have going on. Like, I I am incredibly busy. I'm juggling it as well as I ever have, and I'm still, you know, working each day on it. But,. Absolutely. This is a game changing opportunity for our podcast. I'm very thankful that, you know, our hard work is starting to show some benefits. And this is hopefully the beginning of a very long term partnership with a very, uh, solid, reputable conference, as well as hopefully many of the speakers that they bring there. You know, hopefully, you know, these interviews that we're going to have and these ability to meet and greet and like, you know, we want to be a very reputable podcast that has a lot of credibility and this is one of the many ways that we're going to try to build that trust with the community.
0: I agree with you completely Mike. It's a fascinating experience. The speakers are interesting. The we had a chance to talk with their organizers last night and the the panels that they have in store are fascinating good topics. There's an opportunity to meet people and of course one of our favorite things in the world to travel. I've never been to Thailand. This is going to be my first time in Thailand. By far, one of my biggest priorities in life is just to continue to travel, and this is super exciting to be able to do it with such, um, you know, unique people as, as part of this space. So, absolutely looking forward to that, so and you'll be getting some updates.
2: My my girlfriend isn't speaking to me based on this. She's...
0: <laughs> Those... Brent's girlfriend is Thai and what was has been wanting to plan a, a Thai vacation.
2: Yeah, oh. she is Thai. She's been trying to get me to go to Thailand for years. And I finally do this with like eight days notice. And obviously she cannot go with that short notice. And she so it's my birthday. I think she like she kind of spoke to me a little bit earlier, but I'm pretty sure once my birthday's over, like that's it. She's not going like, to talk to me until I get
1: home.
0: You get 24 hours of me pretending that we're cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know your girlfriend fairly well. I feel like. She doesn't like to hold a long grudge. She's going to.
0: Yeah, she's going to. She's not even very aggressively <laughs> let
1: you know when she's dissatisfied with you, which is the only reason she could possibly tolerate you as a human. Yeah, so yeah. let's just accept and appreciate her, awesome her charm. This.
0: Yeah, yeah. And by the way, guys, just funny how life is sometimes. Uh, as a quick anecdote, I got these news literally within three to four days of finally realizing that we. Uh, my girlfriend and I had to cancel our trip to Thailand that we wanted to do in April. So we had been planning for almost a whole year to go to Thailand and Vietnam uh, in April. And then for a few things that are not relevant, we ended up having a cancel and literally within like 72 hours or four days, I get a, a message from Brent. Hey, i to Thailand. You want to go? <laughs> Listen,
1: there's so many, so many interesting coincidences about this. I mean, Brent said the exact phrase to me. Uh, it's unbelievable that I haven't visited Asia yet at this point in my life. Like how many times in the past three months have you said that to me? At least I, dude, five. I've been to
2: so many countries and I don't understand why I haven't, uh, haven't hit up Asia, so so starting Thailand is exactly uh, it, where I start. It's actually
1: probably a top five location for me to visit. And you know, I, I am extremely jealous you guys are going, but I understand that like you guys are really gonna do a great job, and we're gonna get a lot of great content from this, and I'm really looking forward to enjoying that as a fan as well.
0: My man. Exciting stuff, and I agree with you by the way. Asia is one of my top five spots, along with the Americas, Europe, Africa. Screw Antarctica. I'm not interested. (laughs) just kidding. All right, guys. Why don't we move on to the actual podcast, get some content. We've already told people how excited we are. We'll give them some more updates as we learn more. But I think it's time to get into the news.
2: Don't you hate it when podcasts spend like the first five to ten minutes talking about their personal life? Jeez.
0: I hate it when that happens. Sorry, everybody. All right. So let's go into the news. I'm not that sorry. Okay, not really either. Just bragging. All right. So, guys, as we know, EOS continues to surprise us consistently uh, with their ability to continue to surprise us negatively. So, Brent, (laughs) (laughs) tell us about the most recent misstep, or maybe not a misstep. Maybe the most recent. Yeah,
2: go. So, the misstep is, do you remember when EOS was like decentralized everything, and their ads were very decentralization-related. No, I don't. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, well, they are trying to push that out of the memory, but there was a time when they used the word decentralization when referring to EOS. Now, however, their narrative has changed, but just in case you thought they were still under the cover of uh, decentralization, they have recently reversed a stolen funds transaction based on the decision of an arbiter not even like a vote of the 21 block producers although i imagine they appointed the arbiter the there was an entire basically the this guy sent the during the swap i think he sent them to the wrong wallet or something and or got fished one or the other the funds got frozen via fax if you remember that
1: back in the day uh, and oh, is this a continuation of that old case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This took that long to get settled. Oh, I didn't know this was a part two. I thought this was a different story. No,
2: this is all about that those funds that got frozen, like right when it, a few days after it went live, via fax. And this is the exact phrasing of the arbiter's ruling under the powers afforded to me as arbiter, un- afforded to me as arbiter under Article Six of the Rules of Dispute. Resolution I, Ben Gates, rule that the EOS account in dispute should be returned to the claimant with immediate effect and that the freeze over the assets within said account is removed. So he used the pronouns I, me, and his name in this decentralized. No, yeah. So look, if you're enjoying EOS, you are invested in EOS. Just realize that there's not even a pretense of decentralization left. When we're talking about some of the other projects that we talk about, like they're not particularly decentralized, like Ripple, for instance, they're at least like pretending and kind of like doing some things that are a little bit decentralized. But like they still own all the currency, so it's hard to really say that. Here, they're not even pretending. This is just literally a bank, a worse bank. Um, it, it It is, in fact, like, you know, crypto is a better bank because the bankers can't fuck you. This is kind of just a slate, a worse bank. This is the, they're they're running everything the same. Oh, also, they had to pay three hundred and seventy dollars worth of EOS in order to get this uh, reversal to happen, in order to get somebody to investigate it. So apparently EOS is strapped for cash, guys. They're they're pulling in three seventy uh three seventy a dispute here. They don't you know they don't want to just like pay that out of their four billion dollar coffers.
1: I mean like it doesn't seem that weird it just seems it just seems like a centralized government right like you got to pay somebody to do the official work for you like yep. uh I'll, and interestingly
2: enough i was looking at the eos community when this came out and they weren't like posting about it because they i guess they might consider it fud or something to me this has been one of the things that the eos community is like guys don't you want like this the thefts to be reversed yeah That would be nice if there was a way that, like, you could do that without somebody having the power. And, okay, it's it's nice that this person didn't have the money stolen from them. So if you're part of that community and you think that these 21 block producers have should have the power to nominate a single person that can make this decision and make this decision without any biases, et cetera, and you're totally cool with all that trust, you should be parroting the shit out of this. You should love this, that this person got their funds back. That's a win, right? Like that is it doing what it's supposed yeah, to? Yeah,
1: this is like what people claim that like blockchain could be used for, right?
2: Well, they claim that EOS could you, you know, can
1: track you could track a transaction and know and you know be able to backtrack it in a way that you know you could yeah. you could see we know where stolen you funds could are potentially now. Potentially have an arbiter rule on something about ownership in Bitcoin that seems reasonable. Yeah,
0: yeah. But they <laughs> so there's be able a couple move it. Yeah, multiple things come to mind here, right? the The first one is even if we want the solution, like I understand the argument that says, look, sometimes things are going to happen that are not written into the code. And what we want is a system which allows human beings to look at the problem and be able to say, hey, this person stole, we can figure it out, let's reverse it, right? Like I get that argument. Uh, But even if you're going to go that route, I think that giving that power to a single arbiter is insanity. I mean, just the wording that you were quoting there, I rule by the power vested in me, like... All right, like, bro. like he's a judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so there's a reason why judges in important cases usually have juries too. I understand that there's cases that are just solved by uh, jurors. But this seems a little weird to me. It's, it's too centralized to give the power to a single person. And also, Brent, I wanted to confirm what you were saying because maybe people don't remember uh, some of the quotes from the past. So I pulled out an article. This is from six months ago where the CEO of uh, EOS.io, Brendan Blumer, was saying, arguing basically that EOS is more decentralized when you take into account mining pools. And he says, if you look at the largest platforms today, less than two or three mining pools control those networks. Um, EOS as a blockchain technology and community is probably one of the most decentralized versions of this technology we've ever seen. And then lastly, Dan Larimer said, I truly believe... That true decentralization is when there are open source and free market competition, which EO supports. So he's basically saying decentralization really, to me, means free market. So they were already kind of signaling that they weren't going to be truly decentralized, but trying to pretend that they are decentralized at the same time. And you know why, too? We can't hold them accountable for what they said during their multiple rounds of fundraising. And now that the fundraising's over, they can more clearly say, yeah. We're not decentralized at all. Never will be. Thanks for the money.
2: Yeah, well, again, they still consider it that way. It's just, they're like, oh, well, Bitcoin's controlled by three people. Yeah, Bitcoin is still immutable. (laughs) Like, you cannot, you can't just, like, roll that back and be like, hey, guys, oh, look, we're going to move these funds back over here. Like, this one And it's not controlled by three people. Yeah, it's... if anybody like, ever said we're going to we're going to do the Bitcoin we're going to do this to the Bitcoin code we're going to which is I don't think it's possible but like let's say they're going to just back it up like they did with the uh, mm-hmm. with the DAO hack for Ethereum and the community would be like no fuck you they would just change their uh, they would change off of that
0: mining pool if that mining pool was yeah going but to what is it.
1: Satoshi's vision?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Mike. Um, no, but I agree with you, Brent, because this is this is like a false. Uh, comparison. It's almost like whataboutism where yeah. in order to address decentralization what EOS is doing is pointing to different lines in the spectrum, but even though the mining power is concentrated in Bitcoin, that doesn't mean that those people have full control like to reverse a transaction or to completely change the code. Like they're still um, influenced and restrained by the community around them. So, it's not a fair comparison. Yes, there is a way in which Bitcoin is decentralized; is not decentralized, but there are many other ways in which it is. And with EOS, I see almost no way in which it is decentralized. Yeah, even if these 21
2: that? block producers have picked... Like, even if they're being rotated, right? Like, even if they're being fluid democracy, liquid democracy and all that, and they're rotated out, and then they pick an arbiter, but they fuck up, and they pick a guy who's friends with the guy who got the funds, and he's like, nope, this wasn't theft. And they're like, what are you talking about? It looks like theft. Nope, I am the arbiter. I rule. This is in my, you know, this is my right. And nope, you got to deal with my ruling. So there's going to be a, there's gonna be somebody that goes rogue, and they're going to be wrong, and there's going to be a big hootenanny about it. And there's nothing you can
0: do. I'm going to make one more criticism before we move forward um, to to play some games it looks like we have here. But the last criticism I'll make is the point you made, Brent, about how If you are in favor of being able to reverse these problems, then you should be, like, cheering this on, right? And basically, we're arguing, okay, in this case, EOS can be more secure because we have this system where, like, something like this can be reversed. Then how come you guys have the most hacks and manipulation? right? If at least EOS was the most secure, then we could say, hey, listen, we're sacrificing decentralization, but look how we're making it up in these other fields. The problem that I have with EOS is that I see leaks everywhere, and I don't see a strong point. I don't see a strong suit. I don't see a true, you know, we always talk about trade-offs, and I totally accept that some of these projects have trade-offs. And I look at Ripple, and I see true trade-offs. But I look at EOS, and I see leaks upon leaks upon leaks. Yep
2: we we've even though we've got our our opinions on ripple we've always respected the project and we've respected ripple labs we've respected xrp under the under the guys that you know what you're getting and they are pro- they're producing a good product for the people that they're providing that for and but eos is not doing that now i had a little bonus here i wanted to throw in i thought this okay. was funny if you don't click on the image it, it's funny to hear me read this this is Word for word, the beginning of the EOS Constitution. And to me, it feels like they were like, you know, really trying to pretend to be like old. We, the freedom-seeking people of the world, with the purpose of creating an open-source platform for communicating, transacting, and interacting in a manner free from censorship by sovereign entities and corporate interests... Returning ownership and control of data to users and content creators and promoting transparency in an effort to remove the requirement of trust from transactions, hereby agree and establish this constitution to govern the use and maintenance of the EOS network. That was one fucking sentence, too, on top of it. There were a bunch of commas in there, but it was one sentence. The constitution intends to serve as the ultimate protection of rights for citizens of the EOS digital nation.
0: Okay, so it still seems pretty applicable if you make some minor changes. It should probably read, we, the profit-seeking people of EOS, (laughs) with the purpose of running multiple ICOs and becoming super rich, promise transactions and decentralization and all kinds of cool stuff, uh, and we will take control of your data from content creators. Pick me. Just kidding. Maybe that's a little too rough, but that's more or less how it started. Yeah.
2: Okay, sorry, we we had to we had to talk about that. So again, if you're if you're an EOS fan, this should be good to you. You should be cool about the fact that they were able to reverse these funds, champion it and explain to people why it's okay. And and if you're not, if you're more interested in the immutability and in taking the power away from the select few, then the you know, this shouldn't be too exciting to you.
0: Right. If you like decentralization, security, transparency, you know
1: privacy (laughs) yeah 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 immutability other
0: than that yeah is great (laughs) so now that we didn't take an official stance it's time for bullish or bullshit now this is the first time I think I'm playing the game instead of orchestrating the game so I hereby hand my powers to you Brent you're on the board Mike you and I are playing
2: Uh, Mike already knows the outcome of this one because we talked about this on our so I'm playing by myself so this is all you Here, nah, that's happened before. What's funny is I don't remember it. Oh. <laughs> Here's the title. That's got to be comfortable. Kareem yourself. Bullish or Bullshit fair. and in case you're not familiar, they're one of the gambling coins, mm-hmm. has a vulnerability worse than Oyster.
0: Whoa, worse than Oyster. Before I check, do I need to answer just now if it's bullish or bullshit, right? It's just yeah, the headline.
2: Just looking at the headline, Which what you think.
0: And remind me the exact vulnerability that we found in Oyster as a reference point. They restarted, that
2: guy who was anonymous restarted the ICO, gave himself a bunch of ICO tokens,
1: and then went and Shh. sold them. Yeah, he just re-triplired the ICO and just dumped like 300k worth of tokens at market price.
0: Holy shit, and this is worse than that, says the headline, but it's gambling. So, like, it's so easy to be worse than that. There's so much cheating in gambling sites. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> I am going to go with bullshit just because I think it's going to be objectively difficult to prove that it's worse than the founder being able to redo the ICO. That sounds pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, That's not, so I'm going to call yeah, bullshit. it seems like a, a literal yeah. nuclear option. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm I like, am going.
1: It's like, oh, the project it no longer exists, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, <laughs> it is. It is,
2: in my opinion, bullshit. And the yes. and the reason is. He didn't exit scam yet. Like, Oyster yeah, already yeah. did it. So, yeah. like, <laughs> just objectively, it can't be worse if they or haven't it, done it. It
1: could have a vulnerability that's worse. That's yes. what the title is. The, the,
2: mm. It has a vulnerability that is on par. It's kind of the same thing. Like, they... So, <clears throat> it was just interesting to see, like, how bad that particular...
0: I want to hear it, because on par with restart the ICO? Well, pretty bad. yeah, on par with... yeah One <laughs> guy... And has the power and the intention to fucking restart the project and take all the money out. Yeah. So, that's, so talk to us,
1: Brent. Is, is the CEO anonymous? Like, this the Bruno CEO Black is anonymous Ooh. on this one.
2: Basically, okay, this dude was being a hype beast about his FUD. He was like, worse. They can steal your tokens. Funfair, can, Funfair is centralized. They can transfer your tokens. Uh, Funfair can also mint an infinite number of tokens. So in theory, they could mint some ungodly number and then go sell them. Uh, they, you know, they have uh, they responded that they won't do that and that everyone has known about this since the ICO. So it's not news. And it's like you know, they took the same stance that a lot of these coins are taking when like Substratum, for instance, when people say like, yo, you shouldn't have the ability to make as many coins as you want. They're like, look, guys, you knew this forever. This has been in the code. We mentioned this in the white paper. Like you can't start crying about it now and that's kind of the that's that's the move now for the for these companies. So I don't like that as the response for some of these people that have the infinite ability because as we know, if somebody has this power, it's like it's like a whispers in their ear like all night like you can do this. And then eventually they do it.
1: Right, eventually, you know, their their mom gets cancer or like uh, there, somebody's in a bad car accident in their family, and like uh, they develop alcoholism, or like something changes in their life, and all of a sudden, like, oh, I could solve all my problems just by creating more money, I could be my own bank, I could print more things. Like, that just doesn't work, right? Like, so,
2: they had reasons for why they had it that way based on like how the functionality of the casino needed to work, I guess, for whatever reason. So, if you're cool with their reasons and you're cool with Funfair. You're not going to consider this a vulnerability. This is just part of the project. But one, it goes to show you that these titles are over sensationalized. This is they're right. They did they did say this. So you know, can you be upset about it? Yes, but are you calling them worse than Oyster? No, they haven't fucking exit scammed yet.
0: Not only that, not only that, but here it seems like from the explanation that he's giving, talking about the explanation that the guy said, I clicked on the link you posted there, Brent. He seems to emphasize that this is correlated with their ability to upgrade the token, right? Yeah. To create new functionality as time goes on. So it would also be dependent on is it made so that at any time they can print and they have increased or decreased the supply? Or is it in such a way that like technically they could, but there's like an upgrade Timeline and stuff like that, and eventually did it. Interesting.
1: Is go away. Uh, quick tidbit. I, I randomly, the next article is kind of break it down some of the ERC twenty tokens. Why don't we see what type of token it is, and maybe put it in you know context here when I kind of get into this other part. I think it's I think yeah. it's ERC twenty. I'm not sure, but
0: well, there are different. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I think we're going to agree that that was bullshit. Hypothetically, being able to increase the supply is not as bad as restarting the ICO and stealing <laughs> everybody's money. <laughs> So Mike, <laughs> that has already happened. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Possible possible inflation is not as bad as straight up that. Um so Mike, we're going to go to you and I believe you want to tell us a little something about the most used ERC blank tokens.
1: Yeah, basically I've heard of ERC 20 the most, and I've known that there were some ERC 700s and there are other types of tokens. So I found an article that broke down the five different types that are most commonly used. And it also described that there are many other ones that are not as commonly used that, you know, so it's, you know, kind of learning some of the coding language, learning what the different types were. I thought this was pretty interesting. So uh, here we go. So ERC20 it is the most common and well known it is it is original functionality allowed the smart contracts and the d application to interact with this particular token which you know i i found it was big for the exchanges because the the software that they have in place when you list tokens you need to have functionality that already interacts with them so if you have a very common most commonly used one the exchanges it's very easy for them to list it because all of their Integrations are in place. So, uh, next up was the ERC 223. And I found this particularly interesting because this has a feature similar to what EOS described. It is, it accidentally, it avoids accidental loss of tokens to a smart contract that is designed, that is not designed to have the token sent there. For example, my brother sent a full Bitcoin to a Bitcoin cash address on a, um, on a KuCoin address and has lost it ever since he's, he's never been able to recover that. If anybody knows how to do that, please get in touch with me. I'd be, I would really, I will, I will, I will tip nicely for that, uh, service if we can figure out a way to do that. So, uh, this type of token allows the smart contracts that they're not designed to be sent to it allows basically the the program to basically pull it out um so mike
0: that would be really good for like events and stuff right you you could like buy a ticket but if for whatever reason you can't go or event gets canceled or something that this would be designed so that you can reverse that transaction before it goes through kind of thing
1: that's a very possible use case that makes a lot of sense as maybe um Maybe you have an RFID card that the token is assigned to and you're going to a, an event or something and, and you decide that you no longer want to own that ticket. You could sell it to somebody else and then their card could then swipe in that ticket. I don't know. There's a lot. Of, there's so many use cases for crypto right, that right, right. I, I can't keep up. So another part of this is that actually allows reduced gas consumption it's just part of the the coding in this particular token and what i also learned is that it's also f- it's also backwards compatible with all the erc20 components so this is kind of an extension of that
2: uh, it's right. the playstation 3 of <laughs> of erc20 tokens which we've which we've learned
0: um, so side next note, i was, was devastated when i found out ps4 wasn't going to be backward compatible i don't know why you did that to me sony that hurt so much i've been with you since 1998 continue mike how old were you? Were
1: you in 98?
0: Eight. I got my first PlayStation for my first communion. Aww. And my birthday and Christmas all together. My parents were like, all right, then it's all three. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Give me a PlayStation. I didn't know, I didn't know <laughs> that like,
2: Arabic religions had first communion. It's interesting.
0: Aw. Everybody in Columbia is Catholic. You You racist. <laughs> Continue, Mike.
1: Anywho, back to (laughs) ERC standards. Um, So, next up, we got the ERC 721. And this one is unique and not divisible. It reminded me of EOS a little bit or uh, NEO. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, it, the example that it used was this is for the non fungible tokens as well. This is like CryptoKitties where it had digital DNA. Each CryptoKitty had its own digital DNA and it would never be the same as any other one. So a couple other use cases for something like this include software license and digital art management. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, very cool.
0: That's cool. So all the tokens are basically the same, but they have little differences, which makes them unique, just like the crypto kitties. or for collectibles. These are the like ones the that we're going
1: to see in Engine, Loom, right, et cetera, right, right, the right. gaming ones. All the different card
0: what? types, all the different you know, limited legendaries, edition, right, 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 right,
1: foils, whatever, whatever the uniqueness ends up being. Foils, um, cool. This will well, there'll be a limited supply essentially. So uh, next up, ERC seven 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 it allows a smart contract to actually accept tokens that it was not meant for. So it'll basically allow any smart contract, anything that's accidentally sent there, it can actually accept it. And it has a place where it can basically then re- resend them to a place where they belong. Um, it also has more detailed tracking on on the back features of how far back those tokens go. So it has basically a longer memory chain than a traditional token to my understanding. And um another interesting feature about the seven seven seven, it sounds like we're talking about airplanes at this point, right? <laughs> or uh, a slot machine, like
2: <laughs> like when you went remember that? like back when we were dealing when you put three sevens on the board, everybody would be like, oh,
0: ding, 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 ding,
1: and making noises? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, anytime you put three time anytime you put a coordinated board on, uh, there's like seven people that have something to say. Uh, (laughs) Where was that last hand? (laughs) So I guess one of the interesting things about the the ERC-777 as well is that it actually is going to be able to provide inside the token a list of the types of smart contracts and which smart contracts it can actually interact with. So, I mean, that seems like a pretty useful feature to a token. If I receive a token... Uh, if I'm smart enough, I could go in to that token and see which smart contract I can send it to. I can't think of any use case off the top of my head, but it's a very useful use case, I'm right. sure.
0: You know what I'm thinking when you're saying this, Mike, is as you're mentioning all of these, it really makes you cognizant that Ethereum itself has its own ecosystem. So this is like a great interoperability token where like let's say that you have a product that's going to interact with multiple types of tokens you can program it in such a way that it can like it's basically being able to transact in tokens that are other than itself but you can program which ones are yeses and which ones are nos so that could be really cool for different projects on the ethereum blockchain if that makes sense that are interacting like if an erc with the ones you were just mentioning like if an erc 721 wanted to interact with a project that uses erc 20 maybe an erc 777 is the medium point that can take them both and interact with both.
1: Yep, very cool. And uh, the last one the article mentioned, and this is my first ERC. That's actually a four digit number. It's the ERC fourteen hundred. So this is the the this maybe the, the latest,
0: and greatest, aka think, ERC baller. Continue right.
1: And it actually was introduced only two months ago, and it listed a whole team of people that were involved in this. But yeah, basically, this is for the STOs, this is the. This is the daddy. The The concept for this was it is a security token and it is designed in such a way to fit all the needs that a security token would need. And it even listed some of the people that were considered as far as the needs were for what a security token needs to be. It listed issuers, investors, know your customer suppliers the wallet, the trading platforms, and the developers. So that's six individual uh, species that are going to interact with this potential ERC 1400. So a large group of developers were, you know, worked hard and designed this. Um, it's also going to allow you to manage a library of documents inside the token. So uh, think of it this way. Imagine if you owned like Apple stock and like you're in your Block Explorer. You can just click on your Apple stock and all your legal documents for your Apple stock are inside your, your actual mm. physical token. That sounds No awesome. matter where you store it, you can store it on your ledger, whatever. You can pull it up, you know, plug it into your laptop. You can view any of those documents. Uh, that seems really interesting.
0: Dude, you know what you just made me think about, which is sick, Mike? Also... Cause I own not a lot, but I own random stock, and technically you're supposed to be able to vote on those things, right? But unless you're a major shareholder, nobody really votes. But if it's in the security token, like if if you can open up your own stock, and then they're like, oh, we, you know, here's the vote on this, and you could just vote on it, you might get a lot of smaller investors to actually participate. Cream, are you telling me
1: that you don't vote?
0: Not in the, <laughs> not in the stock uh uh the stock I you own, do technically vote little, you just I,
2: generally designate your vote to whatever the right, exchanges
0: right, right i feel lied to no i definitely vote every political election mike don't worry
1: so yeah that was uh i actually enjoyed that i i it was much more interesting read than i expected when i pulled up the article
0: absolutely fascinating mike and i think what is it that we always say that every once in a while we read a story that reminds us how fucking big ethereum is actually going to be yep this is this is just kind of one of those where it's just like, hey, by the way, remember that project that you kind of in your head think of as a simple thing? It's actually a super complicated network of ecosystems where lots of people are working on different token types and you have no idea what is going to come out of it. Every other day we're reading a story about it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not shilling Ethereum. We're just shilling crypto. <laughs> <laughs> we're shilling good crypto. Yeah, we're shilling good crypto. You know? Speaking of good crypto... We're not shitting on EOS and and pumping Ethereum because we're biased. We're just telling you what's true. Anyway, this is not financial advice. uh, Brent, are you... Oh, I really (laughs) want to hear the updates on this story. Uh, Now, I know that there was some drama going on. We originally learned about this through our Discord. There was some drama going on with Cardano. Cardano separated into three entities, and I believe one of those entities wasn't holding their weight and I think you have an update for us, Brian.
2: Yeah, so quick version of this is the 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 recap is this dude Michael Parsons was the um was on the board of the Cardano Foundation. They were supposed to have a big board, but this guy was like putting his like his kids and his mother in law and his brother in law and his like anybody that was like related to him in some way, they were getting involved in this. Um no he was he he had a couple of nepotism appointments. It was it was getting bad. He wasn't doing any work. Um, they were not, they weren't happy. Cardano or IOHK and Emergo came out United and said, look, we're going to do everything the foundation was supposed to do because they're not doing shit. So we have enough money to function without them. So we're going to function without them. Ignore the Cardano foundation there because they won't talk to us and they won't fix this problem. Uh, but Michael Parsons finally stepped down a few days ago. He, they released the Cardano foundation, released it on their website. I went right.
0: Sorry, I just want to do a quick pause because you mentioned three different entities and uh, we want to make sure that people are caught up, right? So... IOHK is the development company. So that's where the Charles Huskinson and the developers are. And Emergo, the company that you mentioned, they're in charge of business relationships or like getting Cardano the out venture there. venture
1: capital type.
0: Correct. And then there was a third institution, the Cardano Foundation, kind of like the IOTA Foundation or Neo Foundation, and they are responsible for certain duties. And then you're saying Emergo and IOHK collectively felt that this guy, uh, Michael Parsons, was not pulling his weight and doing his part at the Cardano Foundation. So they started a campaign to get him to step down so that they could get an active foundation. Is that right?
2: And that's what, there was also a, uh, an entity called the Guardians of Cardano that was involved in this too. They found a lot of the information that, that was needed to get this done. It turned out that the board was supposed to be a lot of people, but instead it was this guy and the the required Swiss citizen that like had to be on the board. And... Yeah, it was just it just wasn't functioning great. Cardano kind of handled it, or I, IOHK and Mergo handled it as well as I think they could, given okay. the crappy situation they were in. They 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 said, "Look, we we planned for this. We knew that there's a possibility that until we're fully decentralized, until we've got a DAO, until we have a treasury, that somebody could pull some bullshit like this. So that's why we had three of us, and everything's functioning the way that it should." So, uh, <laughs> in I was watching a video that Charles put out about kind of what happened here. And I thought it was kind of awesome that they there were managers at the the Cardano Foundation. They went to all of the managers that were under the board and took them all and put them into Iohk. So they they went to them and they're like, hey guys, you can work for us. Here's the money. And they all agreed. So the entire management team had already moved over to Iohk. They were working on uh on getting more team members and like kind of poaching them, I guess is not the right way to say that, but they were like, they basically like we're castrating this guy's company and he finally caved and it was like awesome. So it's now in the hands of Peter Schmidt, who's the, uh, the Swiss citizen and is one of the people that Charles in the original letter and video said was okay. And, Uh, So, Charles asked for a reinvigoration of the foundation. He wants more democracy, at least seven board members, diversity among those board members, and a strong investment in Japan. They have a really big community behind Cardano in Japan, and they're not on any of the Japanese exchanges.
1: So, they're like, what is going on,
2: guys? So...
1: Yeah, he said that was supposed to be one of the top priorities for the chairman of the yeah, of the Card- like Foundation like job, job number one. He just hasn't even he bothered just
2: didn't even didn't even think about it. So, yeah. and he made a point to say that there was no severance pay for Michael Parsons. It just like <laughs> I, I don't know if it was a jab or if like there there was like a legitimate reason like he needed no, to say
0: that. No, cuz I I think he should say that. You know why? Because somebody like me hates golden parachutes. There's nothing I hate more than knowing, "Oh, you're a CEO of a company for 3 years" Uh, you guys laid off a hundred thousand people. You broke three laws. The company's in a fucking chaos right now, like Wells Fargo. And then it's like, okay, CEO, bye bye. You get eighty six million. Yeah. How does that make sense for the shareholders or anything like that? So as a Cardano holder, if this guy wasn't pulling his weight and you were able to uh, kick him out, basically, then I think it's great that he didn't get any severance pay. And the other thing I want to say is this is why you trust good people. And I, you know, I hate batmouthing projects. So it's not criticism of iota as much as i want to show how much respect i have for these guys there's drama right there's human drama there's a separation of powers and you had one before are you going to use iota as an example yes
1: i just saw an update that they they like 20 minutes ago they just added a member to their foundation so before you use that as a negative example i'm just going to warn
0: you no and that's great but what i was going to say (coughs) is You saw how the whole IOTA thing was handled, right? So like when the paper came clean, you see things where they're like, oh, I don't think people are gonna wanna know the truth and I'll reveal the truth. And basically it's like all this shadiness and anger. Here's what I like about this. If IOHK is doing the right thing and Emergo is doing the right thing, then they should be able to take this complaint publicly. They should be able to go to the public, go to the people who own and hold Cardano and say, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're doing. This is what he's supposed to do. This is why he's not doing it. And then we're asking for him to resign and take it to the public appeal if you're in the truth. But usually, a lot of these entities end the, up, it's all about like behind the scenes and in secret and everything. So I think that this is a perfect example of one, the initial separation of powers being good. Because even though this guy tried to like install his family and basically do nothing, they were able to get him out because America and Iohk was still independent. And two, I think they handled it the right way. They went public when they felt like they had to. They were transparent and they put public pressure on him. That's exactly how these types of things should go.
2: Yep. I could not ag- couldn't agree more. Obviously, you don't want to see like this kind of drama, but it was correctly addressed <laughs> by by the parts that were supposed to correctly address it.
1: I believe in the 10% rule, no matter how big of a group of individuals are, 10% will amaze you and 10% will really disappoint you in some fashion.
0: Yep. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, that's a great update and it's going to be, it's a good positive note. So I'm even more excited to uh, sit down with Charles and Jeremy and hear what they have to say. Maybe we'll plug that into one of the questions. Side note, crypto basic audience. I just thought about this. Uh, we will post and share the some of the panels and the individuals we'll be speaking to. So you guys can submit some questions and maybe some of the best ones will make it on to the conference. Great idea. All right. So, Mike, I have a question for you. Why should crypto investors care about private blockchains?
1: That's a great question. And um, this article is a look into one particular company who is setting up private blockchains for you know, the financial world in particular. And I found it interesting about, you know, something I found in the article that's kind of related. And I was curious when you guys just thought. So uh, the original point is that ICOs are basically the new term for blockchain startups. They're popping up all over the place. And, you know, there's, we've talked a lot about how different the priorities are for a company that has an ICO and raises funding through private or public means versus a private blockchain. And, you know, there's a lot of these private blockchains are going to be popping up and becoming more aware, more publicized. Um, the, the company in particular here was called a, it was called digital asset, um, Sorry, it was, it was digital assets is the name of the company and they have digital asset modeling language as a domain specific language on a platform that they own. So they are basically creating side chains for private entities. And it, it wouldn't to say that, you know, in the financial world, um, pri- privacy and confidentiality is one of the most important concepts. And in any sort of distributed ledger technology, whether they decide to go with blockchain or, you know, whatever. DAG system that, that makes sense for that particular network, um, you know. And he goes. The author goes on to say that even though um, their particular blockchain is private, one of the most important aspects of it is that the financial world has so many layers of middlemen that. That are needed because there's so much le- when the financial system gets as high as and the stakes get as high as they do, there's so many layers of trust that need to go down the line. And it's going to take a long time and probably through private measures for these companies to build that infrastructure from the base and then up through multiple layers in their businesses. It's probably going to be a while before we're seeing, you know, pretty daily, very regular, very frequent. You know, nine figure business transactions that we are expecting to be, you know, not that far away. Also, I don't know how this got by us. I don't know if we covered this. I don't remember this story at all, but it linked to an article of. It was about in June, about six months ago or so, about how Walmart was working with IBM on a private blockchain solution. So that is something we've kind of expected. We've talked about Amazon. I don't think Amazon is going to partner with the blockchain, they're probably just going to make their own. There's going to be a lot of these companies. Google, they're just, if they need blockchain, they're just going to make it themselves. Like. I, like that's what I, you know, there's a lot of cryptos that are are excited about these p- future potential partnerships, but you know, I just think that there's it's a really complex space to analyze, and I don't know what the right way to to view the situation like this.
0: Yeah, I think there's been a couple of projects that have reframed the way I look at the space, and I think one in particular was Ontology, because I think that. When you look at a project like Ontology, you start visualizing how a future of public and private chains interacting with each other can really exist and be how the network is built on. So um, here I would say absolutely. I think that there's going to be a ton of private blockchains that nobody will even have a chance to invest in because their primary purpose won't be to, quote unquote, grow a network. Maybe a company like, like Walmart has very good reasons to implement blockchain, whether it's on their supply line or in their payment processing or in their employee, whatever, but it's not something that we need heck, get a chance to open, right? And when you look at Ontology, that's what they were saying. We're going to make a bunch of little private blockchains for your businesses, for your needs, all that stuff. However, we want to create the mechanisms to make sure that your blockchain can communicate with, the, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum so that if you need to verify one piece of thing or this needs to be saved or immutable. So I think that I think it's going to be kind of like we see the 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 reality of companies. You have a mixture of public and private companies that interact with each other seamlessly. And I think once we work out the technology, that's what we're looking forward to: a a, a future of totally mixed and interacting private and public blockchains.
2: Yeah, we should probably do like a 101 or a, or a or maybe a roundtable on IBM's Hyperledger because they are working with a lot of different people and they have a lot of different advantages for the for what the hyperledger can provide and it does help the space even if they're not working on cryptocurrency because if they create something that works off of a blockchain it is a lot easier to interact with something that also works off of a blockchain so maybe it becomes just easier to take ethereum to take bitcoin if you're a company, they're like, "Look, you can go through this payment processor and pay three percent, or we already have Hyperledger built in. We have now this integration with Bitcoin, super easy. Like, you can either do that or not. There's no fees if you do it this way, other than the gas or other than the uh, Bitcoin network's fees. And um, you know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe I'm misunderstanding how these things work together, but their distributed ledger technology is it has advantages in the it, it, like distributing that computing power." or distributing the upkeep of the ledger between a bunch of people in the world or 17 different servers throughout the world at your 17 different headquarters, both kind of achieve the same effect if it's not money that you're controlling. If you're just controlling a database, then it's a lot easier for you to use a blockchain to your advantage and not have to worry about the intricacies or the nuance of decentralization.
0: Yeah, it just feels like there's so many things. There might even be private but not like a company owns them. There might be private blockchains that are used for industry, you know, where you just have like a service that either keeps records or certain amount of information or whatever, and particular big businesses are paying to access it, but nobody else needs it. So it's a private blockchain with like seven customers, but those seven customers happen to be hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue because (laughs) or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just so possibility. So much possibility with this space. Um again, if we truly think about it like the internet or like cable lines or whatever, then it stops making sense to like separate it. Like, oh, this is what blockchain is, or a blockchain is Bitcoin, or it has to be public. And it's just a technology that's going to be implemented. So it's like saying, are there going to be private, you know, internets or computers or whatever? Like, yeah, of course, of Clouds course. Are- exactly. Yeah, there's going to be private and public. They're going to interact. There's going to be services. And I think it's important to remember that the future of cryptocurrency... Actually, Brent, I like your use of words. It's really distributed ledger technology because not all of them will be currencies, as we already know. (sighs) So, are you guys ready to move on to some rants?
2: Uh, Yep, let's rant. Let's do it.
0: All right, Brent. Brent was more excited than you, Mike, so I'm going to let Brent go. Okay.
2: So, I found this post on our cryptocurrency, and I just want to have like a discussion. I don't know if it belonged in the rants, but I want to have a quick discussion about it. This person posted, got tons of upvotes. And uh, they said, this is hard to take. This This is in response to a pretty bad downturn in the market the last couple of days. Okay. This is hard to take, guys. I mean, I know the old invest only what you can afford to lose line is good at times like these. Or I'm sorry, is good at these times. But it's sore when you're losing money. Not sure how much more of this I can take. It will be years before another bull run. And we may never see 10K again. I'm considering cutting my losses and just getting away from this crypto depression. Update, sold all my coins, by. I believed in Bitcoin and BAB. <laughs> Random. BAB is like a little shitty project that I, somebody like one time was, you know how like people will sometimes contact you and be like, hey, what do you think of this coin? Like somebody did that to me and I'm like, I don't fucking know, dude. I, I. So... Anyway, so those are the two that this guy was invested in. He's invested in Bitcoin and BAB, but crypto is never coming back. Who is going to invest after seeing what the market can do to people this year? I'm done. Thanks and goodbye. So I'm going to start. Go. Here's what I, you know, everybody will say this a lot. Be like, shut up about prices. You're hitting it for the tech, which is not fair to say. Like the price does matter because you are making an investment. so completely ignoring price isn't fair to say to people. We do care a lot more about the fundamentals. We do care a lot more about the tech. but saying, "Shut up, your price doesn't matter isn't is is like the elitist thing to say almost like don't do that it, we we should we should even though you know it makes sense, right? so this but this person is clearly pretty new because this isn't the first time we've had. Pretty hefty bear markets in the crypto markets. Now we're new comparatively as well. This is the biggest bear we've gone through. But if you look back and you look at the you look you look at the different bear markets in the past, this is very similar. Like there's been this much that the volatility is very very high. So he starts off with saying, "Oh, I know. Don't invest more than you can afford to to lose." That's true, but obviously nobody wants to lose their money. So when you go gambling at a casino and you br- you should only bring what you can afford to lose, but it's nicer if you win. It is nicer if you win. In a casino you're playing in a negative expectation game. We believe that we're playing in a positive expectation game here in the crypto market. It may be that years from now we look back on this and realize that we were not playing in a positive investment or a positive expectation game. This stuff may be extremely overvalued even though we think it's not. So, this is a so don't invest more than you can afford to lose and is is involved in everything, but this in particular is a very volatile investment. So you do need to understand that. So I I'm interested in what your thoughts are between the dichotomy of shut up, it's about the tech, don't worry about the price and like also worry about the price a little bit.
0: It's not a dichotomy. That's the that's the problem like because we'd be so it's not that it's about the take, and you shouldn't worry about the price. If you're investing in something, obviously you care about the price, or you wouldn't be investing. It would just be called supporting projects. I love. I give money to Neo because I love Neo, and I want him to succeed. That's not oh, what's going on. Those are ICOs, when you- <laughs> right? <laughs> so. <laughs> So here's here's a few things. It's not that you don't have to worry about price and only worry about the tech. Is that if you're going to invest in something like the stock market, you need to understand that you don't have any control over the price and that if you're looking at anything that's not a long-term horizon, you're essentially just flipping coins. So if this person is talking like, this shows it right here already, right? Because even if we don't know the future of cryptocurrency, you can look at the history of Bitcoin and realize That the fluctuation that Bitcoin has experienced in the last year is more or less in line with the fluctuations that Bitcoin has experienced in the last 10 years. It's gone up, it's gone down, it's gone up in value 80%, 190% down in value. And now this guy that he's experienced this, he's basically looking at oh, it might never go up again. We don't know. Well, you, you have no idea what's going on, dude. Right now, the S&P 500 basically lost all the gains that it made throughout the year. Yes, I understand it's not as volatile as crypto, but the S&P 500 also didn't go up in value 400, 500 times in, a, in 18 months. So both of them are down. Obviously, cryptocurrency is down much more because it's much more volatile. And anybody that invested in cryptocurrency before 2017 and 2016 knew that it was more volatile. That's why they wanted to put their money in there, right? Because they felt like their Bitcoin money could double, whereas like their mm-hmm. Apple money is not going to double. So the reason you don't invest more than you can afford to lose, it's not because you don't care about money. It's because you understand this is just basic bankroll management, especially with a volatile asset. And starting to say things like, oh, we're never going to do it. Now we can't even, Bitcoin's never going to go up again. Uh, Hello, this sector partied when Bitcoin reached parity with the dollar. Okay. It was amazing that one, uh, internet fake money became equal in value to the world reserve currency. Right now, one unit of Bitcoin is worth $6,000 or $5,000. 5,000 times that parity. Yeah, I have no clue. (laughs) Oh, wait, $2,000. I mean $9,000. Sorry, the volatility. Uh, But the bottom line is like at this point now, to, to look at it and be like, well, it's not worth what it was six months ago. So it'll never be worth that again. Okay, well then just don't do investing, bro. That's not your thing. (laughs)
1: You brought up a great point that we haven't really touched on in this podcast, but I would love to either do a roundtable on or find a way to work this into a longer segment. But what is bankroll management for investing? Like, like, how do you actually carve out like a little bit of of something that you want to put into investments. And then within that lump sum, carve out, you know, something for crypto, something for the stock market, something for wherever else your other baskets are. Like, like obviously there's infinite answers here, but maybe, maybe we should create better habits for investing, right? Like, um, you know, I'm much more in the camp of, you know, let me invest a little more. Let me dollar cost average in. Let me let me do 10 bucks a week in something like an index, a bit, a bit 10 index fund. Like I'm understanding the value of things like that a little more now. And like, sure, let's maybe let's elaborate a little more and decide like, you know, what is a responsible thing for people to invest?
0: Yeah, no, look, obviously income is dependent, right? So if you make six figures and you live by yourself, you're going to have an ability to save a different amount of money than if you make $70,000 a year and you're raising a family of four, or you're supporting a family of four, all of those factors. So 10% for me might be ideal, 20% for you. So it's hard to pinpoint the right ratio. But I do think the time horizon is relevant. And this is where it's like, I'm not playing Nostradamus when I say this. Investing has already, I don't want to say it's been figured out, but it's been thoroughly vetted. Maybe not cryptocurrency investing, but if you just go look at, general portfolio management, risk management, long-term investment, go look at what the greatest investors have to say. Almost all of them consistently say time in the market beats timing the market. And what you need to do is be greedy when others are fearful, right? That's like the old Warren Buffett quote, and have steady hands. And even if you went through the Great Depression, and even if you went through 2008, and even if you went through everything, all of the data shows that as long as you put your money in the market and didn't take it out, you made money in the long term. Like the chances of you having lost money is very, very low. So what we're Assuming dealing with here-
1: you you invest in in reasonable time stuff, horizon. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. Assuming general investments, this is the market as a whole. So this is looking at indexes, right? So this is, okay. of course, some people did better, some people did worse. And the more you go for I high- guess berries, I guess don't, I don't
1: know the terminology in how, how you define shit stocks and regular stocks too. Like I, there's gotta be a, there is a, sure. a penny stock method, right? Like, you know- No, for sure. It, it,
0: like you can invest in small coins and go broke, right?
1: Um, I, I I wasn't saying anything you said was wrong. I guess I'm just trying to to word the exact phrasing of like you know time in the markets of you know that has to be there has to be some qualification in that. Like
0: yeah, but it's looking at an average. So it's basically saying overall, whether you invest in big stocks or small, because if you invest in small stocks, you're going to go broke a lot more often, but you're also going to hit random gold, right? And if somebody else invested just in like Apple, Walmart, Microsoft, they're not going to go broke. it's
1: like playing tournaments versus cash games in poker.
0: Exactly. And they're never going to go broke because those companies aren't going broke, right? But if you look at the market as a whole, if you invested for 20 years, you just didn't lose money. Even if you invested right before one of the big crises, like even if you invested right before the great depression, or even if you invested right before 2008, as long as you stay in the market, you make that money back. So my emphasis here to this person, if I could talk to them would be focus on time horizons. Understand that the money you put into an investment more than likely is money you're not going to see again for decades. And I think that once you change that transition, these shifts are irrelevant and yeah, it sucks to see Neo down at twelve dollars when I felt super smart that I got it at six dollars when it was at one hundred and twenty. But even back then, I used to tell you guys, "I'm not touching this money for ten years." So this one hundred and twenty is imaginary, and now this twelve is imaginary. I'm not worried about it. I know that the long term, the long time horizon, is what matters.
2: That was a good rant, gentlemen. What, what, what kind of time we got? Do we have time for mailbag? I feel like we're way. You know what? Let's answer uh, one of these. I, I like the the Christmas one, kind of.
0: What's the Christmas one? See, can you? <laughs> it's, it?
1: it's a lot of creative. Cashman wanted to do. Uh, can you guys do a Christmas like story of last year's alt season? I need a story to fill my heart with hope again. Ah, okay. I
0: don't even know where to begin with this. What is this asking? Sit around, ladies and gent, as I tell you the story of altcoins coins and stuff that didn't rhyme, but that's okay. Christmas story here we come. I knew some people that invested in ICOs and crappy coins, and now they're surprised that they have nothing. Think about the future and santa claus presents lambos in the moon christmas
2: there you go christmas story. wow kareem okay man well that it was, was really supposed good to be uplifting not like y'all got fucked so <laughs> no i said i said he said
0: there was some lambos and moon in there yeah at the end i said uh yeah i felt bad all right
2: i'll take a different approach oh. here i'll take a different approach all right I, well let me try to cheer him up one more time
0: okay nothing happens when you die I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Ranch.
2: <laughs> because the question was, can you guys well, do Rick. a Christmas-like story of last year's alt season? I need a story to fill my heart with hope again. So, so here's here's what we're gonna do.
0: Notice he picked this question. Let him pretend like he's riffing now. No, no I was originally <laughs> been writing this. since I was originally
2: gonna do like a that twas the night before Christmas, but I've changed it now. I'm, I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna do. Uh, all right. Well, Christmas. 2017. I can tell you some stories about Christmas in 2017. It was 40 years ago. You know I tell this story every Christmas. <laughs> we didn't understand anything back then, and and every, the money was growing on trees. It was literally growing on trees. We were buying anything we could buy. We were buying Tezos, and it was going up. We, we were buying Neo. It was going up all you Bios had one two three four five times Floyd money mayweather the greatest boxer of all time was invested was telling you what to pick and you picked it the john mcafee that guy that ran for president in 2020 he would tell you what to buy you bought it you made money it was an amazing time it was a magical time And Christmas that year for all of the family was amazing. I wish we could go back to 2017, but this year is almost the same.
0: Grandpa, I just asked if you were going to get to the gym. I don't know what you're talking about right now, but please take care of
2: yourself. Are you implying (laughs) that Grandpa needs to go to the gym?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I can't believe you didn't include North Dakota into this story. North Dakota? Man. Wyoming
2: you mean Wyoming? Oh yeah. God, stop confusing the <sighs> shitty states, bro. Whoa!
0: Neither one of those states is shitty, Brent. You need to check yourself. USA. <laughs> USA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, um Cashman, as you could see, we're not storytellers. And we're not good Christmas people, apparently, either. But uh, you know, if you want Santa wa- Claus isn't real. Yeah. If you want some hope in your heart. Um, we're all alive, buddy. We're all alive. Mike, you got any hopeful words for Cashman?
1: Yeah, my daughter's getting a bike this year.
0: Oh, spoiler! I
1: hope she doesn't listen to the show.
0: Can you please post a picture of it on our cryptocurrency and say, "Got my gain used, uh, sold my gains, cashing out, (laughs) cashing out of crypto." Make sure, make sure it's a yellow bike that looks like a Lambo. Go
2: wing doors on that bike, Mike.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. So I think that's going to wrap it up here for us um i guess this is the part of the show where we remind you that the members of the crypto basic are not financial advisors they are not christmas gift advisors they are not storytelling advisors but they are conference moderators see you in thailand (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm a great guide gift
1: person by the way i can i can direct gifts with the best of them
0: yeah but not professionally right i can financial advice all you want for example i'm talking to you listener right now remember that last coin that you were like oh that that could be Mm-mm. no no stop it buy something big all right see financial advice i'm just kidding that was not financial advice. all right guys your lawyer. We're not interested. <laughs> that was a total joke total joke total joke total joke all right i'm gonna wrap it up here any parting words gentlemen yeah, man! Rate us on
1: iTunes. Join our Discord. Check the show notes. Download Cash App. Do some do whatever
0: cool stuff that supports the podcast. That's correct. Fly to Thailand and see us in a conference. If you are in Thailand, we're going to be in a conference. All right, Brent. Any
2: yeah, yeah. If you if you happen to be going to this conference, let us know in the Discord. We'll uh you know we'll we'll show up, say hi. My man.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the Crypto Basic Podcast. This was indeed our Friday flagship. And yeah, don't forget to rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Have a great day. Peace out.